Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the middle that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a grown-up. If you listen on the Entail app, that's E-N-T-A-L-E, photos, links and videos of what we're talking about will pop up as you listen. Have a look. By the way, the amazing knicker brand Stripe and Stare are offering all of you lot 20% off with the code FINE10 until the end of July. They are honestly my favourite pants. Hello, everybody. Hi. <laughs> Sorry, delay. That's basically my life. Where were you? Just totally not concentrating. I, doing I, doing something else my, entirely. I'll just say my Zoom screen froze, really. But actually, Didn't they? I, Your my brain whole froze. brain froze. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, how are you, Annabelle? Oh, we got there in the end. Uh, <laughs> um, I love you, Em. I'm absolutely fine. But I've got no internet. Like, really no internet in a meaningful way. So... I got a new hub router thing, which has arrived and been kind of plugged in. Nope. And also what you realise with no internet is that you have to, rather than just throwing an iPad, a Kindle, a phone across the room, you have to think to yourself, oh, no, no, no. It might be the fact that I had to reconnect to my new internet, which is not yet working. So I'm doing this podcast remotely on Zoom through some kind of 4G situation with my laptop, my phone. So... Anything could fucking happen. I will not be held responsible. And I am wondering if, in this funny stage of exhausted ennui that we find ourselves in July, as we're in this sort of despairing shit new normal, if the internet might be the straw that breaks this camel's back. How are you, Emily? I'm fine. I will take your uh, internet and raise you. My tumble dryer is broken. And honestly, I feel like it's sort of the end of days. And it seems so childish. And I think it's something to do with the fact that I've been I've been coping so well. I've been so capable and 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 I expect everything around me to to be fully on my side. And I've taken the tumble dryer's defection extremely personally. And I might go and hit it with a hammer quite soon. So um, that's uh, that's me. But. You know what? I think we're all about to be perked up because our next guest is here to talk about how your gut can change your life. Now, we all have a super weird relationship with food, don't we? After years of working long hours, skipping meals and being sucked into weird diets, and my God, do we know about those? Eve Kalinic kept getting sick and feeling flat. But after finding the answers through nutrition, she decided to make it a full-time thing. And it turns out she's really good at it. It should be gut at it. Sorry. Anyway, her I mean, second that's book... that's desperate. That's desperate. <laughs> Sorry. Her Tipped second... over the edge by the tumble dryer. <laughs> it's taken me to places that I haven't been to for a while. Her second book, Happy Gut, Happy Mind, How to Feel Good from Within, is out at the end of August. And we are delighted and relieved to welcome her to the podcast. Eve, how are you? Well, I'm absolutely fine. But I can't wait to go to the pub on the weekend. Um... I could have actually gone on the same tangent of the things breaking down because my radiators have done a similar thing, which is not good since it's now decided that summer is now not happening. But um, yeah, like you guys, I I, I just sort of put my head in my hands on that one. But no, my focus is definitely to see friends and enjoy, hopefully, what is going to be a sunny pub uh, garden on the weekend. It is a massive relief to hear a nutritionist saying they can't wait to go to the pub. It makes me feel better about everything. It makes me feel that I'm allowed to drink something other than matcha. <laughs> what What will you drink when you're in the pub? Are you a Are you a spirits kind of girl, or is it a beer situation? 
Um, well, in the pub, I'd say it's probably more of a... Well, in the summer, a, ro- a good rosé wine probably would be my preferred drink, um, particularly in the summer. I thought you were going to say straight vodka. I thought you were going to say straight <laughs> vodka because I thought that was the least sinful thing. And you've said rosé, which is basically liquid sugar. So now I like you even more. <laughs> I think trying to drink things that you think are healthy in inverted commas is not always a good idea. Like you're better off just drinking what you want. Um, actually, I got asked for a quote around, you know, there's the hard seltzers that are kind of now trending because they're low calorie and lower alcohol. But what people end up doing is just drinking more of them. So you end up with about the same anyway. So I think you should just drink what you really like and, you know, just try and be sensible a bit around it, you know? I know. The problem then becomes how to sort of feed the hangover, as hangovers now last for the rest of our natural lives. (laughs) We were just saying earlier before we started recording, so we find ourselves here in July. It's cold. It's raining. And um, as far as I can tell, a lot of people are feeling incredibly tired. I mean, really sort of like waking up in the morning, having not slept well, thinking the, f- the first thought that crosses their mind is I can't wait to go to bed again tonight. Wanting to just lie there and stare at the wall, demotivated, like sort of water circling a drain, creatively bereft, you know, really kind of, I, 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 it sounds very grim and it is kind of grim. You know, maybe it's, it's not depression, but it could tip into that. Maybe there's a massive mental health crisis in the post. So, you know, at the beginning of lockdown, we were all very enervated and adrenalized. I suspect some of this might be the adrenaline just sort of flooding out of our bodies but you know there was a kind of purpose to it and now I think it's quite hard to feel as purposeless as a lot of us do and uncertain and and, and living with this sort of horrible new reality so it's a, so self-care has taken on a slightly different flavor for me in the past few weeks it isn't about doing yoga online um it isn't about you know baking or potting or needlepoint or or learning a new language or, or reading a book a wise a book a prize-winning book it's started to feel like it's a it's it's become about trying to just prevent a sort of a terrible slide into something really sludgy now do you think that food could play a meaningful part in this in a way that isn't super stressful and super expensive yeah I mean obviously not getting too stressed about your food because that just almost compounds the anxiety so it is just about you know just doing really I guess coming back to some real basics actually just making yes, sure I that think you're... because it's very easy for for women particularly to develop a kind of spiritual relationship with food where it takes on huge significance and then it becomes it really becomes the enemy you can use it to do all sorts of strange things to yourself um and so and so I do you think that by going back to basics you can depressurize that relationship and just keep it to you know keep keep food in its proper place yeah I think that there's so much information out there that it just becomes completely overwhelming and then compounding that is the whole you know insidious diet culture out there so people want to try the latest diet or quick fix thing or superfood powder but actually you know some of the more basic things like a a, a nice decent sandwich um and an omelette or some scrambled you know those are things that are not intimidating they're not costing you a lot of money they they feel nourishing because they they genuinely are um you know we don't need to be really fancy and complicated with our food it's just you know I, I think yeah coming back down to just some basic meals and you know learning how to tune in better to our our bodies and our and how hungry we feel because often we go against that as well which can have an impact on the way that when then we're feeling emotionally 
I think the idea of tuning into my body and asking it what I want terrifies me because I because I think it always all I wants want... biscuits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> and I'm sure that it's not that's that's not actually what my body wants. That's just, it just what wants my mind does. Yes, exactly. It, yeah. it just wants to be told that it's doing a good job. Um, but um, but but you know. So how do you when you see someone like me? Uh, when you have a client like me or, or you're talking, you know, how do you help them tune into their body and not hear the answer biscuits or warm bread every time? Mm. Yeah, I mean, cravings are actually our bodies suggesting that we're not maybe getting enough of something. So you need to, it's about helping to figure out with the client about where there might be some gaps going on or it's quite typical if people are not maybe getting enough protein in their day that they might then be feeling lower in their energy so then they would naturally crave more of the richer carbohydrate foods for instance Mm. it's quite easy not to get enough protein it's quite easy to load up on you know, Emily and I sort of grew grew into womanhood at a time when everyone was talking about porridge. <laughs> you know, we forced down these vats of porridge in the morning, which is far, which I always loathed and always made me ravenous by about eleven. Do you remember we'd sit at our yeah. desks? And yeah, you, and then you might have, you know, you might think, oh yes, well I need to have a salad, you know, lots of salad, make it plant based for lunch. So I'm going to have, a-. and then you suddenly you, you you get to six o'clock, you haven't had any protein, and you know, and you're like pizza. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, I mean, that's the thing. Across the day, you kind of want to sort of achieve around, and this is a really rough guide, but um, around the size of your palm. So that's how much protein you basically need at each sort of meal time, but you can spread it throughout. So you might have more, say, in the evening, because you might have a slightly bigger amount, because you might have a piece of salmon or chicken or something like that, um, and then maybe less, if, like, earlier on in the day. But having a little bit of that each meal time could just help manage your blood sugar levels and or a handful um, of nuts maybe or you know handful six of nuts, almonds yeah. bit of nut butter that type of thing yeah um, someone wants to, someone once told me that nuts are to be avoided because they're so nutritionally perfect that they're basically for hibernating squirrels to store fat for six <laughs> months and not for fully functioning human women how do you feel also, about that i have to avoid nuts because of my teeth so because oh, they'll just get stuck <laughs> they always get stuck anyway sorry <laughs> yes nuts much more important. No, I mean, I guess, well, look, there's a difference. I mean, this is the thing, right? So, um, yeah, if you're going to eat like a whole... I had a client who basically was eating a whole bag of cash, like like 100 grams in the city of cashews. I mean, yeah, that's too much, too many nuts. It's a bit like when people go, no, I can't eat gluten. Gluten doesn't agree with me. But I'm like, well, maybe you're just eating a bit too much gluten. So don't eat as much gluten. I'm sure it's not a problem for you. I mean you know allergies aside like celiacs and things like that but sometimes it's just too much it's a bit like it's very uh, easy for us to think that gluten and dairy are yeah. the one size fits all enemy and i know lots of people who are doing it you, who, who, who are doing it with the excuse of wellness but really they're thinking they're going to drop a dress, dress size because gluten and dairy must be the thing that's holding on to these fat cells it must be gluten and dairy because they've been very demonized what do you mm-hmm. think about that yeah, I think it's quite normal for people to go in and go, I've got a gluten intolerance, I don't eat dairy, um, and list off a whole kind of thing, ream of foods that they, they don't eat without really knowing why, because they've read an article or whatnot. Um, and like I said, sometimes it's just the load. It just might just mean that they just maybe just need to eat a bit less of those foods if they're an issue. Or, um, you know, I, I, I think that, yeah, unfortunately, um, there there has been that kind of, that trend towards eliminating food groups without really thinking why. And actually longer term, you can actually, you know, you can miss out on some really vital nutrients. Like some of the 
in inverted commas, people that think they're really healthy coming to me that have done a lot of that restricting and actually they're really unwell. You know, their hormones are all over the shop, their gut's not functioning properly. Um, and so I think, you know, it's a really, it's a bit of an age old saying, but it's, I, I take it from my nan because my nan basically put lard in everything and butter and um, she just was like a little bit of what you fancy does you good. And I just don't think that... The more that we restrict on things, the more we then want to have the foods that we've seemed as contraband. So if we like say, okay, well, I can't have biscuits or, I mean, warm bread is something of like, you know, epic proportions really. <laughs> but you know, the more you said, I don't want those foods, the more it's the inner voice in us just going, oh, actually I really want them now because yeah. we've just then put restrictions on them. So um, I think when you just say every food's available to you, it suddenly doesn't become quite as dramatic. Um, or as... It's, the same with, it's the same with men, isn't it, really? <laughs> well, I mean, we could do a whole podcast about that. Oh, Luckily, I've but given first, up now. <laughs> no, you haven't. We'll talk about that later. Um, but first of all, I want to ask you about, because, um, you know, more and more we hear about, more and more it's written about the gut-brain connection, right? And I've certainly experienced this over the last few months. If you sort your gut out, you can maybe sort your mental health out to a certain extent. How do you know, and I don't care how disgusting your answer is, what are, what are the signs that your gut is not in good shape? Well, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I'm quite open about talking about poos. So um, obviously being <laughs> in the area of gut health, but it's a really good, it can actually tell you a lot about your general health and well-being. I mean, maybe at some point we'll have some really like high technology that will be able to read our, our daily movements because there's so much we can tell from, from that. And, um, you know, the, the more we understand about the gut and specifically the gut microbiome, which are the trillions of microbes that live in our gut that actually outnumber us in terms of human cells, which is a bit weird when you think about it. We've really only understood that properly in the last say 20 years 30 years um and now we understand exactly how much of a role those all those micros have to have to play in our overall health and well-being it's just, it's so momentous that you know gut health is a really important part of our overall it's like the center of our health and well-being and you could think of it like that and actually hippocrates you know many many millennia ago was the first to sort of say and he's the father of medicine all disease begins in the gut. So he was onto it a long time ago. And then it's only really, like I said, a quite a recent science, but it's rapidly gaining traction. But coming back to your question about how do you know if there's something wrong with your gut? Well, your stools will tell you a lot. So you know, if you see changes in the stools, like really what you're looking for is a log that's fully formed, that doesn't have any cracks in it. It's almost like ice cream consistency. So nothing too um loose but not bitty that's the sign of a, a, a healthy stool i mean obviously there'll be slight deviations from that and depending on how hydrated we are and what we've eaten so sometimes people get a bit freaked out when their poo suddenly turns red or green but maybe they've just had a bit too much beetroot or um spinach or something the day before so things like that can um change the, the stools but you really you know you can you can see some sort of consistency and you don't want to be like straining to pass or equally having like too urgency uh, too much urgency in your movements so those are some of the in my first book actually um there's a, a kind of section that it's called the perfect poo and so it just <laughs> basically sort of goes like talks you through so you want regularity consistency a sense of sort of satisfaction so you want that evacuation oh. euphoria when you that you don't feel like you're going back i always in, think i always think again. men connect 
in a very deep and profound way to that sense of satisfaction and euphoria in a way that women perhaps don't. <laughs> I don't know. I think everybody's felt that, haven't they? After they've had a yeah, really good I quite like. It. Yeah, I yeah. love it. I know, but men spend hours culture. in there and come out a changed person. <laughs> I think they're just hiding from us. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, no, taking a book to the toilet shouldn't be a prerequisite. That's for sure. Let's say that your poos are obviously all wrong. They're too hard, they're too irregular, they're too regular, they're too loose, whatever they might be. And you're probably feeling tired and you might be getting headaches and maybe your skin's a bit fucked. And it's, okay, so your gut is, is protesting. Now, mm. where do you start with that? Do you start with a good probiotic? Do you start with starving it of sugar? How do you go about resetting your gut? If you can't, um, if, you, if you maybe, may, I'm thinking about headlines. You don't have time to read a book. You can't afford to see a nutritionist. Mm. Yeah, I mean, if you've noticed a change in your stools, and certainly if you see increased amounts of things like mucus or you see blood in the stools, then you definitely need to go straight to your GP, um, particularly if you're having uh, coexisting symptoms like the fatigue and things like that, because what they'll need to do is screen you for um, inflammatory markers and things like celiac and rule out you know, any sort of inflammatory bowel disease and things like that. So definitely, if there's been a shift in the bowels, you should first thing should be to go see your GP. Let's just say you go there and um, everything's fine and they've given you the all clear and things like that. Um, you know, there are certain things you can look at in your, maybe that things have changed in your diet. Like, are you drinking more alcohol? Are you not drinking enough water? Maybe you're not getting enough fiber that can actually change your bowel movements. And then diet side, if, if there's increased amounts of stress, which then links to the gut brain connection, that can also change the way your bowels are functioning as well. Um, because the vagus nerve that basically joins the gut and the brain that has a role to play with motility. So movement through the gut. Um, and so that can speed things up or, or, um, have the opposite effect. So some people find that when they're stressed, they get more constipated and other people feel like they have more of the kind of loose movements and things like that. So you can look at, there's lots of, or there's a few pillars, let's just say to look at in terms of gut health that you can do yourself. So one would definitely be the, the stress aspect and then looking at a few of those key dietary things making a food diary is always a good idea but then I, I kind of it's not to get too obsessive about it but a food and a poo diary is quite good and then <laughs> you know it might be something to think about invest longer term you're probably going to save yourself time and money going to see somebody that can help work it out with you because it's very hard I feel in, and not just with nutrition, but lots of things to work on yourself when you're in yourself. So checking what's going on with your hydration levels. Are you drinking enough water? Also being mindful, have you increased your alcohol and things like caffeine? Because that can um, affect the bowels. Um, having enough can I just quickly ask, um, how much water is the correct amount of water? Do you reckon? I it, mean, it obviously... depends, yeah, roughly about two litres. A day? A day, okay. yeah. And if you're doing, say, more exercise, then you obviously need to up that. If you're having a lot of um, more, you know, for every sort of cup of caffeine that you're having, you need to sort of counteract that with some more water as well, because that will dehydrate. So, um, but roughly that's about the right amount. Okay, brilliant, um, thanks. Yeah, and then f and having enough fibre in your diet, but also not having too much fibre. That's the other thing. So people, what when they start reading about... What do you think is the best way to consume fibre? It's in as much diversity as you can. So um, in real terms, that could be something like putting um, a spoonful of nut butter on your porridge oats, sprinkling some seeds or nuts, putting that on your salads and vegetables, having a few different types of vegetables in your lunch and dinner, just three, maybe if you can do that, that would be 
Great, and then that will give you enough pretty much quota-wise and um, diversity-wise, because what, what we're understanding about the gut microbiome is it's not just about the amount of fibre that you take in, but it's about the diversity. So that means different types of fibres, because like we have preferences for... I keep coming down to the bait. Maybe I need to have some bread with um, butter on it, actually. Maybe. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, like we have different preferences for food, so do our microbes. And to build a healthier, more robust microbiome, um, we need to have as much in sort of terms of diversity and different types of microbes in our gut. So um, the best way to do that, the easiest way to do that is get diversity. So it's, I know it's a bit cliche, that eat the rainbow thing, but... I but see a lot of clients that go, well, I eat loads of vegetables. I have broccoli every single day. And I'm like, yeah, you can't eat to diversify around broccoli. I mean, I mean, okay, also that's a bit so, um, so hydration, fiber. Yeah, hydration, fiber. I'd say, you know, checking your stress levels as well, because I've worked <laughs> with a lot of clients that have almost a perfect diet in inverted commas, whatever that means. But, you know, there's no obvious gaps in their diet and they're having, you know, they're drinking plenty of water, they're having good amounts of fiber, um, but they're just very, very stressed. And so that will always have an impact on your gut. And the thing is, it kind of gets into a bit of a vicious cycle because the more stressed you get, the more that affects your gut health. And when your gut health isn't on as, as healthy as it could be, that can affect the, your stress levels because we know that it's not just... Um, a top-down communication so it's not just your brain communicating to your gut which is that infamous gut feeling gut instinct you know the feeling you get in your like butterflies in your tummy type thing um but it, it's actually there's a, a bi-directional relationship so the microbes in your gut produce substances that um are released and communicate back to the brain so it can almost your microbes can tell your brain whether or not there's it's inflamed or stressed or how healthy your your gut is and there's a few different ways that they communicate together but um yeah, so stress is a big part of it. And I know it's, I mean, it's on, you know, everybody's stressed, right? So, but it's a bit like when people go to the gym and work or go to put whatever exercise you do, or, um, you know, you think about, you'll get, you maybe a bit more mindful about what you're eating. Um, it's, you know, you know, your mind is the same. It does, it needs to be worked in a way. It needs exercise in, in, in terms of things like, you know, this is different people, it's different things. But, you know, meditation, um, even simple breathing exercises. Breathing exercises are really good, actually, because that helps to soothe that, the vagus nerve that helps, to, that joins the gut and the brain. And those are things that people don't feel a bit, I mean, because not, meditation's not everybody's thing. I mean, I find it incredibly hard. I don't know about you guys, but I've never been able to really do it. Um, so I find that breathing exercises, is a sort of thing that sort of starts the day for me, is just sitting and taking five minutes to just do a very simple five counts in five counts out and do it for like five minutes and it just helps and you can even do that let's just say having a really like stressful time you just take five minutes out to just sit and do that um it can help reset the nervous system so if yes. you're having a, like an anxious moment um that's a good kind of tip so if we've got hydration fiber stress slash meditation slash breathing do, then do you think it's worth diving straight for the nearest probiotic? Um, I, you know, look, I do, there's definitely a role in for probiotics. And I think as we understand more about them, 
I, I genuinely believe that we will get to a stage where we'll have prescriptive probiotics that will be our, our microbiome will be mapped because at the end of the day your gut microbiome is very different to Emily's to mine and so we've got different areas in our gut microbiome that maybe just need boosting more than others and where this, the science and the research is really exciting around the gut-brain connection is the whole concept of psychobiotics, which is using probiotic therapy to help with mental health conditions. I mean, they're a long way off, and I certainly never encourage somebody to come off any type of medication they've been given to do that, but certainly that's where the research is going, which is incredibly exciting. Um, but I do think, yeah, probiotics, if you're going to get one, I definitely suggest doing a bit of research because there's a huge amount out there on the market so you want to make sure that first off there's independent clinical trials and they should be um listing that on their website they should have lots of you know to say that it's being clinically backed and, and things like this um you want one that's got more than a billion cfus which is marked on the bottle or the packet which is the colony forming unit so you want over a billion really for an effective probiotic but then it is a little bit of trial and error at this point. I mean, most probiotics have the similar types of strands in them. And then some people find that they get on better with some versus others. Um, I, I actually work with a brand called Simprove, um, which is a liquid formula. And the reason why I, I use them and actively endorse them in my practice is that they have sort of two effects, really. One is the probiotic effect, which is delivering the microbes into the gut. And they've proven with their studies and research that that actually happens because that's another thing you just don't know when you're taking a probiotic whether it actually does get to the gut which is when we talk about the gut it's from the point of entry to the point of exit but um in terms of where the microbes live it's mostly in our large intestine but the other thing that that does is it feeds your existing microbiome which is the more important part in a way so you can't i mean People say so you're saying it's, it's sort of it's it's not one size fits all. It works with what you've already got going on. Exactly, but that's what you yeah. want to do. You want to uh, maximise your own microbiome. So a lot of the time, particularly with some of the extreme diets. So let's just take an Atkins for instance, because it's very low in carbohydrates, which means low in fibre. What you're essentially doing then is starving off your microbiome. So you know, of course, that's going to have a negative impact longer term. So. Um, what you really want to do is help to feed the microbiome and that's what that kind of formula does but it again a probiotic is not a panacea for gut health you know if you're not doing if you're not having enough fiber if you're not getting enough diversity in your fiber if you're not managing your stress if you're not well hydrated it doesn't matter if it's the best probiotic in the world it, you know it's there's multiple things that can affect our gut health and, and another big one is sleep um, okay so yeah. Can I talk to you about food that we could be eating that could be helping us to sleep? Because most of our listeners don't sleep and we don't sleep, not properly. So what could we be putting into our mouths that would be, you know, would be sort of on our side in that respect? Yeah, so again, coming back down to you want to make sure that you're getting sufficient amounts of protein through the day because protein um, is a key part of making neurotransmitters that help with sleep. So things like serotonin, melatonin. So if you're not getting enough protein, that would definitely be something I'd say to focus on using that rough guide of about a palm's amount, size amount at each meal mealtime. Um, I think a lot managing how much caffeine you're having so if you're for most of us you know two cups a day is probably about 
the top end limit. Some people can take more than that and other people less or not at all, but definitely try not to have caffeine after 12 because it can still be in your system a long time after that. So, And, um, and is that tea as well as coffee? Yeah, any caffeinated beverage. Yeah, I know. Um, so, you know... <laughs> Poor in, Emily. In the... Poor Emily. She, Emily's not allowed to drink coffee. It makes her... I mean, turns her into a sort of very, very cheerful, but nonetheless a Tasmanian devil. So I, I turned around to her about 10 years ago and after a meeting and went, um, no more coffee. <laughs> Literally never drunk another cup. But what, how many cups of tea a day, M? 15? Mm, one, two, three, four, five, six. I would say I'm on about seven or eight. And my last one is about six o'clock. Yeah, so that's definitely still going to be in your system, which would prevent your not just getting to sleep, but the quality of your sleep as well. So you might find you waking in the night and things like this. Um, so I'd say, yeah, try and curtail that back and then use, I mean, decaf tea you could have um, or, or coffee. Um, things like ground chicory is quite, I mean, it doesn't taste like coffee, but it's a, a, <laughs> got a similar-ish thing going on. If you like the coffee flavour or herbal teas, things like licorice and peppermint. Which I love. I mean, yeah. I'm smiling, but I'm, I'm smiling at you, Eve, but I'm actually crying on the inside. <laughs> so, okay, no. so, so watch your caffeine intake. Yes. Are there any foods yeah. that would actively, I don't know if they're magnesium rich or foods that would actively promote sleep apart from protein? Yeah, so um, oats have got um, certain substances in them that can help with, um, so there's a, a basically a neurotransmitter called GABA that helps us go to sleep. So... Um, actually ironically green teas and things like that those have um, a good sources of GABA lots of the fermented foods have that naturally occurring in them as well so um, and that's you know the food-based source of probiotics in inverted commas because fermented foods are fer- foods that through the process of fermentation so that's contain... sort of sauerkraut kefir that kind of thing yeah cheese I know people say Ooh. that cheese causes nightmares, but actually cheese is also a good fermented food and one that people can easily relate to. You don't, again, you don't necessarily have to get super fancy, although actually my dad's eyes popped out of stalks when we went into a, let's just say, famous um, health food, big health food supermarket and he saw the price of sauerkraut because as kids we've grown up with it and he's just like, but it's cabbage and water. Why is it seven pounds? So, you know, those types of foods, those can help if you pepper those too. Cherries um, are also one of the few um, sources of melatonin. So adding some mm. cherries in. And you can get that cherry juice, that sour cherry juice, can't you? Yeah, it's you quite can get sour cherry juice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, oat milk's quite nice in the evening as well because you're not going to sit down and eat bottled porridge. Um, but, you know, like making a nice you know, chamomile, oat-infused, sort of nice, with a bit of honey in it, that type of a mm. milk. Um, with a side it's really quite doable i know i know i'm 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 totally restored from the tea blow um when i think i'm gonna have an oat milk oat milk with a side of cheddar and i'm gonna sleep like a baby (laughs) (laughs) what about stress what about rather than 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 eliminating things things that you can add into your diet that might help with your stress levels well, in it, there's no food that's going to say, eat this and you'll be less stressed, right? Oh, come I think on, I'm, Eve, there must be. I know, be. I mean, I'm sorry, I wish there was, but unfortunately Vodka. there's no... You can Vodka. say chocolate. Yeah. Well, actually, a glass allowed. of wine does have calmative effects, but that's like a glass, and then it sort of veers into something else. But I'm not suggesting people drink <laughs> to alleviate their stress levels. I am, I am. Um, but no, I mean, like I said, it depends the way, you know, the way that we... Um, 
manage us or the, the, the kind of, from a physical perspective, there are hormones that, um, and neurotransmitters that will make us more anxious if we're not producing enough, say, serotonin and things like that. So again, it relies on having sufficient amounts of protein in the diet, having lots of leafy greens in the diet because those contain a lot of vitamins and minerals that help to convert to certain hormones that help to, um, you know, support our overall kind of stress. Um, some of, you know, some of the fermented foods, arguably, you could say add those in because they help to nourish the microbiome. And as I mentioned before, there's a, a, a real link between stress and the, micro, the health of the microbiome, so all the, all the microbes in our gut. So anything you can do really to sort of help support their thriving existence. Um, you know, having too much, and I'm not saying don't, I've, I'm definitely, I'm not a nutritionist that says don't eat this or whatever, but if you're just eating a lot of refined carbohydrates and your insulin levels are just spiking all the time that's not going to do very much for your stress levels either so just just treat them like the treats they are and so yes enjoy I, wanted them, to, I just but... i just wanted to ask you about about one word and that word is sugar so yeah. how do you think we should be where what is the healthy healthy place for sugar in our lives what should our relationship with sugar be Look, sugar is sugar is sugar. It doesn't matter whether you get it from date syrup, maple syrup, agave, coconut, blue moon juice syrup, whatever you want to call it. But at the end of the day, they all do the same in terms of, you know, insulin levels. And yeah, so I, I think that what you should just is be sort of just a bit mindful, try and be a bit mindful around it. But then that's why it's good to have breaks between your meals because um in between your meals when you're essentially fasting then other hormones come into play that help to break down that fat and use that as energy so constantly so are you grazing a fan of, is... the, of the sort of of the sort of 16 8 thing at all the thing where you might leave a very long break between say dinner and lunch so your body goes into a, a semi-fasting mode I mean, I, I don't think it's for everyone if I'm really honest I do think that we can nibble too much but then I do think that for some people fasting makes them feel tired and unwell and particularly if there's a bit of some hormone imbalances it's not necessarily always the thing for people so again that's really individualistic but I think you can get the same really the same benefits from just fasting 12 hours which you know again I love the way this is all wrapped up in a new trend but really like if you think about our parents our grandparents you know, they ate supper and then they didn't eat until they ate breakfast and that was mm. how they ate and they had lunch <laughs> and that was it. Really boring, but just that kind of like three meals a day, give yourself a bit of a break between your meals. So you're saying, you know, not every meal has to have an Ottolenghi length list of ingredients that includes, sort of, you know, tofu steaks and avocado butter. We can all be simple but varied in the way that we eat. I mean, the simplest things like, um, you know, it sounds really basic, but like a really, like a nice healthy sandwich i mean if you can use sourdough bread which is also having a healthy renaissance now even better because it's fermented and it tends to be people tend to be able to if they have got issues with digesting bread because some people do have you know seemingly intolerances to certain wheat proteins then you know sourdough's been pre-digested so yeah it's, it's a bit easier for us to to digest ourselves um you know just doing that a simple open sandwich with some good quality cheddar fresh tomatoes i mean you've got a, a nice balance of carbohydrates fats protein in there roast chicken is is a great one 
because mm. you roast a chicken and how many meals can you make out of that? So no, it doesn't have to be really complicated. And I think that's where people just get intimidated and then they just go, oh, I can't be bothered with this. I'm just going to... Have a pizza. Know, not do it at all. Yeah, yeah and then exactly a, a, a pizza's, what but a, pe- but a pizza, again, it's a healthy part of the diet. If, the more we say you can't have this, you can't have that, it's a bit like the whole, I'm not going to drink for, I mean, this is another thing. I've heard people during lockdown as well, I'm not going to drink the whole way through lockdown, and then they'll just go and have an absolute blowout now for like two months. It's a bit like dry January when all the pubs yeah. are packed in February, right? So. <laughs> yeah. It does sound a bit boring, but a bit more sort of consistency with that, with the pizzas and the things in there. Because once you just say, actually, they're part of my my diet, it's there's less of a tendency to then just go mad on them and then starve mm. yourself for, like, weeks on end I think it's a funny... I think you're right. There's a, there's a sort of self-denial doesn't do any of us any favours, really, because it does funny things to our psyche. So if we just assume that we are allowed, we give ourselves permission to eat anything we yeah. want, but we just choose to eat, you know healthily most of the time someone said to me i think actually someone i think i read and i think it was cindy crawford someone said what's the secret and she went i'm I, she said i'm 80 percent healthy 80 percent of the time yeah. and i remember reading and also actually i can't this is so cheesy in 90s but i remember madonna saying that weekends all bets were off so well, yeah i mean like I, most, I couldn't you know, yeah i couldn't take a date any more seriously lost actually it was the first date that i've had socially distanced which was interesting but when he turned around, he said, it's morally wrong to drink at home. I just thought, you know what, I can't, there's no, you should not have moralistic views around food and nutrition. To me, that's just not cool. Sweetie, I can tell you something for free. That one has a really difficult dark side. Not yeah. in a fun way. Oh my God, attaching a sort of, a sort of yes, a sort of moral value to whether or not you have a glass of pink. Yeah. While you're watching Netflix that was by never yourself going anywhere, for two and a half months. <laughs> No, exactly. Sorry, mate. <laughs> you can do better and will. Um, so amazing. So you've given us so much to think about. Thank you so much. And I wondered if maybe at some point you might come back. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to go downstairs and make myself a herbal tea. <laughs> <laughs> herbal tea with a bit of cheese. Exactly. Thanks, Eve. I'll let you know about my sleep. <laughs> Take care. Bye, everybody. Okay. Bye. 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 You've been listening to Annabelle Rifkin and Emily McMeekin of The Midult. Our book, I'm Absolutely Fine, is out now. If you like what you hear, please rate, review and subscribe. And we'll just leave you with this thought. Bread sees the real me. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.